Welcome to the Cathedral Library Bible Podcast. I'm Rob Steele. And I'm Jordan Duncan. And our desire with this podcast is to show you how easy and enjoyable it is to come to Scripture and walk away having heard the words of God and being changed by them. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cathedral Library Podcast. Uh, This is Rob and Jordan uh, joining you here again. We are in the Gospel of Mark. uh, And if you've been following along, you know that this is now episode 7. In episode 6, we were in Mark 4 from verse 1 through 34, where we see the kingdom of God being revealed by Jesus through some of the parables that he was speaking. Uh, Now we're jumping in from uh, chapter 4, verse 35, all the way through till uh, verse 6 of chapter 6. So we're going to go right through chapter 5 today. Um, This is a really uh, beautiful section of scripture here because we start to see how the kingdom of God is uh, so much more powerful than what we have seen on the earth up until this point. Um, this is really kind of the purpose of this section, I think, if we're looking at it as a whole. So starting in verse 35, we come out of the parables uh, right into uh, this storm. And so Jesus uh, kind of sets up the disciples here, gets them into a boat, tells them he'd like to travel across onto the other side of the sea where they leave the crowd uh, and then as they're in the boat, the uh, things kind of go awry. We see the wind uh, picks up and the waves are starting to break into the boat. This is no little storm. Uh, this is actually something that would uh, seriously freak out uh, even the best of sailors, which probably most of his disciples were, many of them being fishermen. They were out on the boat a lot. They knew what they were doing, uh, but this is freaking them out. And so the windstorm comes up. The waves are breaking into the boat. The boat is actually filling, is what Mark says, which I love that because it's not just some little thing. It's something that actually, probably, I'd be quite terrified myself uh, if we were in a boat and the boat was filling from waves being poured into it. Um, But Jesus is just asleep. Uh, He is up on the stern of the boat, it says, asleep on a cushion. and so they wake him with some with this request going essentially just about his care for them. Uh, they're not even, um, they're not saying, Jesus, why won't you help us get water out? Their issue with him is, don't you care that we're dying? Um, they feel uncared for by him. And so Jesus first, the first thing he does is he rebukes the sea uh, by saying, peace be still. Uh, And the winds cease at that point too. And Jesus turns to them and says, essentially, where's your faith? Why Mm -hmm. why are you afraid uh, Mm -hmm. of this storm? Um, And now a different kind of fear grips them in this moment, not fear of perishing, but fear of who the heck is this, that he has control over creation like this. Yeah. Um, I I was really struck with... uh, really seeing the heart of what's going on here because, um, you know, there's a couple things that I think jump out, at least for me in the midst of this, is that Jesus is, what he's hearing from them is a lack of faith. What he's hearing from them is that they actually believe somehow that he doesn't care about them. And Jesus has a way bigger perspective than they do. Hmm. So he's able to sleep because he actually thinks on a much higher level rather than in the situation. Interesting. <laughs> I like that perspective. I, um, let me just pause your sermon here for a second. 
because <laughs> I'm having thoughts on a much uh, more surfacey level, um, simply about how to read the Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some things I'm noticing about, you're like diving deep into this, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even... So what's striking me is when you're saying the last section we read were all parables about the kingdom. Yeah. And this section is all about Jesus revealing the kingdom in power. Yeah. If I was just reading this straight through, I wouldn't have even put those things together. Mm. I only noticed those things because I had read those five pages in the um, book, How to Read the Bible, book by book. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, okay. So... (laughs) So with that in mind, I'm now, I'm c- coming to this section going, okay, these are, these stories all have to do with one another. Like, it's not just by chance that yeah. Mark wrote like, I don't know, half a dozen stories about miracles and healings sandwiched together. Yeah. And when I read through it, I, what, I, what jumped out to me were a few phrases and words that keep coming up th- as we go throughout. And the first story and the last story are similar. And then the middle ones are also similar. Mm -hmm. And so what jumps out to me in this first one is how the disciples are seeing Jesus and seeing him do this miraculous thing and going, who is this? So they're asking, who is he? Mm -hmm. And they're, but they're also, they start out, fearing their situation and not having faith in Jesus, yeah. not believing in Jesus. Yeah. And then when Jesus does this, then they have great fear of Jesus and they right. start exploring who is he. Right. Um, and what's another thing is that they, they have this awe of him. Yeah. Um, and so as I'm, cause I'm reading this and trying to walk away with, well, what, what is this supposed to mean for me? Yeah. And wh- or what, are, what is my response to it? And I think my response comes from these questions or these questions start prodding me to respond in some way. I- am I afraid? What am I afraid of? Mm. Am I afraid of my situations or do I have fear of God? Mm. Am I, do I believe in Jesus or do I have no faith? What mm-hmm. is my awe in Jesus, or yeah. is my awe in the power of anything else going on in my life? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. And I think that that, it, truthfully, that really comes, uh, at least for me, it ties right into his response to them and that uh, what he's saying about their faith hmm. is that he's really speaking to that heart. He's going, wow, you put a lot of your own fears and feelings and yourself into the storm. Yeah. And he's going, you don't have to actually be worried about the storm. And I think he's saying, like, because his perspective is bigger, he's saying, you know, you remember all those things I told you about the kingdom? Hmm. Do you remember all the stuff that I've been teaching you all along? I wasn't kidding. You don't actually have to worry about this. The kingdom is far more glorious and far more powerful than this. And, and I don't actually think, so this is where, you know, growing up a charismatic kid where mm-hmm. I think we got this wrong in my, in my own, uh, kind of group setting is that we seem to look at it and say, well, Jesus was disappointed that they didn't rebuke the storm hmm. or Jesus was disappointed that they were, that they had any fear that anything could ever happen to them. And I actually don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, guys in the kingdom, if God wanted you dead, you'd die and that's okay. 
And if he doesn't, you won't. Yeah. Why are you scared? Yeah. Because he's in control. And then showing, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm God. Yeah. Right in the midst of that. So I think he's, you know, he's revealing himself as not only is he revealing the kingdom, he's saying, I want to reveal the kingdom through me, the king. Yeah. Right. And so they're, they're getting a firsthand look at what the kingdom's going to be because he's the king. Yeah. This is how he acts. And so because of that, this is how the kingdom acts. And there's just so, like, as I was reading it, I thought, oh man, I remember, I remember stories of friends putting themselves in harm's way <laughs> intentionally going, I'm going to rebuke this storm or I'm going to, you know, I can do anything because God's not going to hurt me. Well, I, you know, I read this and I go, that's not what he says. Yeah. He's not promising anything. Yeah. Other than he's in control. Yeah. And the whole gospel of Mark is, like we said from episode one, it's saying, here's who Jesus is. And then it calls us to follow him. Yeah. And we learn if he's the king bringing the kingdom, what does that mean for us as disciples? Yeah. To live in the kingdom and follow him as king. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus, the king? So here, like you said, He's kind of showing, here's what I do as king of my kingdom. And the response I grew up with thinking we were supposed to take from this was we do the exact same thing. Yeah. Which isn't untrue. Yeah. But I think Mark has a different, there's a different first response he wants us to make. And it comes from these questions of, are we afraid? Mm-hmm. Do we have faith? Mm-hmm. Do we believe God's in control? Yeah. What do we believe our king can do? Yeah. And what's our response look like? And I think the disciples, what's interesting in this whole section is the people closest to Jesus. In this first story, it's the disciples. In the last one, it's his hometown and his relatives. Yeah. They don't give the best response. It's people on the outside of the circle who give the response that we should in following Jesus. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. I think that it's, oh man, it's really good because we, it's not, like you said, it's not untrue that mm-hmm. we should act like the king, that we're supposed to act like Jesus. He does say that multiple times. Yeah. But I think we can't lose the fact that he's being established as the king of which is, uh, who and ruler over us, hmm. right? He doesn't rebuke them and say, you should have done this because I will do this. He's saying, why are you worried? Yeah. And that's a different response. So he's not saying, you shouldn't have been trying to get the water out of the boat. You shouldn't have been, like, he's not saying any of those. He shouldn't have said, he's not saying, you guys should have all went to sleep. <laughs> he's not actually saying any of that. He's saying, why fear? Why is fear your response? Hmm. I'm the king. Mm-hmm. I'm ushering the kingdom. There's proper fear there. But creation? Well, that's under my, that's under me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really good. I. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Yes. We were okay. Please to keep going. So we jump into chapter five here, and we see that uh, this is a really famous story, of a demon possessed man who is living in the tombs, um, and he's been living out there. He's uh, he's so uh, powerful under this demonic influence that he could not be bound. Uh, people could not even put chains on him. Uh, he was able to tear the chains apart or the shackles that he was put in. Um, 
he was too strong for anyone to subdue him, it says in verse 4. Uh, and then it talks, it goes on to talk about how um, it wasn't just strength, though. And I really, I think this is really important for us because um, what it's saying here is that demonic possession and demonic influence gave him a physical power, but at the exact same time, and, and in the next verse, it goes on to say um, that he night and day cried out, cutting himself, meaning that there was an intense amount of anguish he was mm. in. So although he was physically strong, it didn't actually, it wasn't like some great power he had tapped into. It was actually destroying him. Um, and so he sees Jesus from afar off and he runs and falls down in front of him and he cries out, uh, what are you going to do to me, Jesus? And, and he declares who Jesus is, son of the most high God, really amazing uh, declaration, which again, I think is just, is God to say something for us. Yeah. Demons keep looking at Jesus and declaring his authority mm. and who he truly is. Uh, they're the enemy. Yeah. How much more should we, not the enemy, declare this? Yeah. And can I just point out his yeah. response is that he ran and fell down before him? Because that the image of this guy falling at Jesus' feet is going to come up um, a few more times in this passage. Yeah. Which, uh, which already is interesting to contrast the two stories about the disciples yeah. who are not in awe of Jesus while they're in the storm. And then there's this demon-possessed man yeah. who, whose first response is to worship Jesus yeah, and, Jesus and revere is, him. Uh, I, that's exactly, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that's good. I hadn't seen that when we first read, or read it. Um, before hit and record here, I that's huge because before Jesus does anything on the boat, the disciples are afraid of everything but Jesus and have reverence for everything but Jesus. Mm. And the demon possessed man, before Jesus shows his power, reveres Jesus. That's a big contrast. Yeah. Back to back. Wow. So he, uh, so he goes on and says, Please don't torment me, Jesus. Uh, I think essentially saying what you're going to do, please do it swiftly, um, but uh, don't tor- torment me. So Jesus um, says, come out, of, uh, come out of the man, unclean spirit, ask him what his name is. Uh, the demoniac or demon-possessed man says, we are, my name is Legion, for we are many. Um, and then he goes on and begs him not to send him out of the country. This is a little... Uh, maybe you have some insight here because if I was just reading this plainly, this doesn't make any a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. um, because he, don't send me out of the country, send me into this herd of pigs over there. Um, and so Jesus does and immediately the pigs, numbering 2,000, rush down a steep bank and drown in the sea. Um, that's an interesting thing that happens that I don't have a lot to say about and especially when I read it plainly I go that's something I would want to go study yeah um, to figure out more of and I that's I made a note of that when we were reading it uh, ahead of time because I don't actually know what Mark's telling us there I don't exactly know either I think it's a hyperlink okay and so I would ask the question is there another time so pigs are notoriously known as unclean animals for the for the Jews. Yeah. Uh, demons obviously are the enemies of God. Yeah. 
is there another time when unclean people, I guess, or people viewed as being unclean to the Jews, the enemies of God were rushed down yeah. the mountain and drowned in the sea. Hmm. I'm going to just let you keep going because yes, there is. So you can keep going with that thought because that's a, that's really good. So I think uh, I don't have much more to say on that other than I think it's a parallel to the Exodus. Okay. My brain is flying here now. I mean, my brain flying is very slow. (laughs) So by brain flying, I mean, there's like at least 10 words going through it at at this point. Mm -hmm. That's big. Because he's bringing them out of slavery. Mm-hmm. He's bringing them in and establishing them as a kingdom, his people, right? They're, he's establishing yep. their nationality as a people of God. Yeah. Giving them a kingdom, bringing them out of, wow. So this is him doing a similar, at least, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I had not made that connection. That's really good. I'm just looking back in Exodus here to see if the number is the same. Like if that's, if that, like, why did he specify there's 2000 of them? Yeah. But I can't, I can't read fast enough to find if yeah, no, that's there's any of that. Really good. Well, I, I mean, there's a few things and cause what really struck me, if I'm being totally honest, was not just what happened. I think I've read this story of the, of the Demon Possessed Man a number of times. Mm-hmm. The response out of this really struck me because yeah. the herdsmen fled is the next like few words in verse 14, which I think, of course they did. They're trying to herd these pigs and they've just watched demons be sent into them killing their whole herd, Hmm. right? So something massive has happened, but their response is to go in and to tell everyone they can about everything that just happened, Mm -hmm. about Jesus, demon-possessed man, about Legion, uh, about the the pigs that are now dead. (laughs) Um, And and then he points out, hey, this is the man. Everyone, do you recognize him? This is the guy we've been afraid of all this time. Do you see him? and I think that part of what happens as a response there is that the people hearing this, and this was really important for me just reading it, I don't think I've seen it this way before, is that the kingdom coming and Christ revealing himself as the king doesn't, like, so he's doing a miracle, he's helping someone, he's showing that he's in authority in a way that those people have never been able to be in authority before. They've even tried hmm. and couldn't even subdue this guy, let alone free him. Mm-hmm. Jesus does all of this and it doesn't lead to acceptance. Yeah. I was, uh, I wrote that down as a question I was going to ask you. And now you just said, uh, you're pondering it yourself. But I think uh, what I'm realizing is there's this whole passage is tying together um, faith and fear. And so the disciples are so afraid not of Jesus and they don't have faith in Jesus is what's being drawn together there. And then this guy who everyone else fears, he falls down before Jesus, which is worship, awe, reverence. Act of faith. It's both an act of faith and of fear. Totally. Revering someone, worship has to do with fear. Yeah. Yeah. But appropriate fear. Or, or fear and 
someone you should fear, yes. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the response of all the people around there, it says they were afraid because of what Jesus had done with this man. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was like, why did they, yeah, so why did they not accept Jesus? Um, why did they ask him to leave? I think because they were so afraid. Mm. But there's a connection. I think maybe we're supposed to see them as, well, obviously they're not accepting Jesus and that's not what we want, but they're at least getting that Jesus is someone to be revered. Uh, yeah. Whereas the disciples don't get that. No, I'm with you. storm story. I'm totally with you on that. I think that they, and I think that that's what really struck me is that they do see Christ properly. Right. And they don't want him around. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm. I think that that's actually, because part of what this is tapping into for me is there's there's a big swell right now within Christianity around mm-hmm. this context, this idea that if they just saw Jesus rightly, hmm. they would worship, they would respond properly. They'd right. give him, they'd, they'd have faith, but the scriptures don't teach us that. Hmm. They're consistently teaching that there is going to be people that refuse him. Yeah. Who see, see him rightly. Yeah. And see him rightly and say no. Hmm. And, um, I think that there's just a, I don't know if I brought, I don't don't think I've brought it up yet in the podcast, but I bring it up a lot. Just this context. I I learned it in, in a, in a class, but I, it's from a book called skeletons in God's closet. Um, really important book for me, but it was this idea that of hell that is more of a coffin nailed shut from the inside rather than, uh, something that God closes and locks from the outside. Right. Yeah. And I think we see that here. Yeah. At least a, a beginning or a foreshadowing of that, mm-hmm. that, um, that people can see Jesus properly and not like it. Yeah. Not, not say yes. So that, that was really big for me. Just seeing this, um, this response, this terror and fear and, and rejection of Jesus when he's done good things. Yeah. Right. The man is now sitting with them clothed and in his right mind. And they go, you need to leave. This yeah. freaks us out. We don't like this. Yeah. And I think there's like this, uh, this constant meta thing going on where the entire reason Mark is writing this to people, the whole book is to say, I want to show you, I want to give you a better picture of who Jesus is. Yeah. And ask you to respond. Yeah. And here we have a story about people really getting who Jesus is and then they respond. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always the option to not accept. Yeah, absolutely. So ending the story, and I think this is also a really important part of the story, um, is... It comes back to the demon-possessed man at the end of this story in the last verses, 17 through 20. And he wants to be with Jesus. Would you come, would, could I come with you when Jesus is getting into the boat? Um, and Jesus actually says, no. Yeah. Jesus says, I want you to go to your friends, um, and to your family and tell them about what God's done for you. And so he leaves. He does exactly what Jesus says. He listens and he goes and he begins to proclaim what Jesus has done for him. And people marvel 
at who this Jesus must be. Jesus' fame is now spreading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I found really interesting about this is that there are people that Jesus does something for that his response is, yes, come with me and learn from me. And people that he says, no, don't mm. go back into the world and proclaim what God has done for you. And I think he still does the same today. Yeah, I think that we get really caught up in God has done something good for me. So let me then take the next step into what he has for me next. And I think a lot of times Jesus is saying, Hey, could you just go tell a bunch of people now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't need any more right now. And it's actually not a bad desire. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus doesn't say the desire is bad. Jesus doesn't, there's nothing that goes, he shouldn't have even wanted to be with Jesus. No, it's not that kind of crazy extremism. Mm-hmm. It's simply a, of course you want to be with me, but I need you to go tell people of who I am. Yeah. And I think he does, I think Jesus does the same thing today to a lot of us where he goes, I did something great for you. Could you go tell people about it now? You don't need to be with me anymore. I did Mm -hmm. it. Now go tell people about what I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of times we're like, that was so good. Can I have some more? Mm -hmm. And Jesus, and then something happens and Jesus doesn't show up the same. Yeah. And maybe it's because Jesus is going, I want you to go tell people instead. Yeah. Anyways. Just notice the word marveled. Everyone marveled mm-hmm. at what the Lord had done for this man. Mm-hmm. That word's going to come up again. I thought we were about to talk about Avengers. When uh, that I, up, that's why I noticed it at first, <laughs> but then I noticed it comes up again. So if you're, uh, if you're joining us and you don't follow along as to when we record these things, uh, the new Avengers movie is coming out in just a few weeks. And so we are uh, extremely excited. I about already that. have my tickets. I might as well. (laughs) (laughs) It is my son's birthday, so. It's true. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then we go on. We're now into verse 21. Uh, This is another, again, very famous story of Jairus, who uh, is a synagogue leader or a ruler of the synagogue, and his daughter is dying. And he comes, and again, like Jordan pointed out before, he falls at the feet of Jesus. Um, and now it says that he implores him saying, my daughter, uh, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Now, I think that phrase is going to come real. It's really important hmm. for something I noticed later okay. um, a- along the way. And so now Jesus is following Jarius, but obviously Jesus's fame has spread. Uh, people know who he is because he's got a huge crowd following him and thronged about him. I, I don't really know that word, but I'm assuming it's just really tight. They're kind of just people everywhere. Yeah. Um, There's something about a throng that seems <laughs> like it would be tight. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure why I made that association. Okay. So that's in verse 24. It's in the Bible, people. So we're just following along. Now we're into verse 25. Uh, It tells about a a woman who's had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Um, She's suffered under many physicians and uh, nothing's worked. It's actually only gotten worse for her. So she hears about Jesus uh, from afar, hasn't seen him, but she just hears about him. And she knows or feels that if she could just even touch his garment, she could be made well. And so she does. She reaches through the people, touches his garment and says immediately she's healed. Um, it's very explicit about it. Immediately the flow of blood dries up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease, meaning something happened physical, the tangible 
um, power entered her body. She could feel the difference. This is this is a this is where things get crazy for me. Uh, as I reread this, I don't think I've ever read it this way. Hmm. Jesus perceiving that power had gone out of him. Uh, that statement. Up until now, he's he's doing amazing things. He's teaching amazing things. But this is like another level. Like this gets like yeah. This gets really interesting because now Jesus has he is so full of the power of God, of the kingdom power that if anything comes out of him, like he didn't he didn't mean for it to come out of him. No. Right? <laughs> So something was, it was drawn out of him, which I think if we read the story, right, it's by faith. Mm -hmm. So we ever, if you ever hear in church, you know, to receive something by faith, Mm -hmm. that's what she's doing. So what does that actually accomplish anything? Yes. And Jesus doesn't actually intend to give her that power. Yeah. And she still receives it. Mind-blowing. Because she goes to Jesus in faith and believes in faith that this can be different. Mm-hmm. And so she receives exactly what she needs for her healing from Jesus. And he has such a heightened awareness of the power that is dwelling inside of him that when something comes, when the power comes out of him that he didn't even intend to send out of him, uh, he knows I w- I've never thought about this because I'm trying to think about what is that then? That power, like you, power is something that a person has and yeah. chooses to use. Um, but here, power is something. It's almost like the power is something personal, mm. meaning it's a person. <laughs> <laughs> Like it almost acts of its own. It, it yeah. almost acts in its own will. And Jesus just recognizes that the personal power he has mm-hmm. is doing something that he wasn't, he didn't act it. Mm-hmm. It acted on its own. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if this is like, can you just go, that was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Holy Spirit in Jesus, the woman reaches out and the Holy Spirit goes and heals her. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't just notice, oh, the Holy Spirit who is in me is doing something that I, <laughs> I didn't, um, what's the word, not command him, but direct him to, you know. Didn't like, decide. I, yeah. It wasn't a choice. He, he did. He makes his own decisions, which gets into a very deep Trinity discussion, but yeah. it's, it's true of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a person who makes, um, you know, and persons have the power to, to decide things and make choices and act in their own volition. Yeah. And so Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both two persons of, uh, of the Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, we're going there today, hey? <laughs> I don't kidding. think we I'm should. just kidding. We're uh, already at half an hour. Yeah. So I'm just, I, you know, I just went back to chapter one because there's different language used in the different gospels. But as you say that, you're, 
that's very, very true. Mm-hmm. It does have some personification there, this power, mm-hmm. because it it moved without Jesus's choice. Yeah, like Jesus didn't. Jesus commanded the storm. He had power over the storm. Yeah, Jesus commanded the demons to come out. He he had power over. So we we always we use power as choice. Yeah, right. That someone can want something but not have the power for it. But if they want it and it happens, it means they had the power for it. It's, it's connected to their will, to their mm-hmm. choice. This is just in him and not something he's choosing. Yeah. It's just radiating from him. Yeah. And she doesn't even touch him. She doesn't even talk mm. to him. It's just, it's just what he's wearing. Literal clothes yeah. are filled in the same way that you would think his words are. So Rob, do you think that created things, and I'm talking about things that humans have created, uh, I don't know, bread, uh, grape products, do you think that they could somehow possibly, um, what's the word, uh, deliver power of some kind? Honestly, I don't think I've ever made that connection reading this story. But as we're talking, I'm going, how have I not seen that? She touches clothing. Yeah. Jesus does not choose it. It's not his, it's not his declaration over her. Yeah. She came to Jesus knowing she can receive it from him. Mm-hmm. Takes a created product by someone that Jesus has never met before. Mm-hmm. And it's full of the power of the kingdom. And it heals her. Yeah. An invisible grace delivered through. Visible means. Yeah. Wow. So sacramental. How did we not see that before? <laughs> I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So all of this happens, you know, and he, he goes on, he talks about her. We're, uh, I'm, we should probably try and wrap it up before yep. too long. There's a couple of things I want to pull out at the end anyways. Um, so he knows something's happened. Who touched me? She says, you know, it's me. This is what's happened. Um, and she, but look, again, you were talking about the faith and fear, but the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. Once again, yeah. she comes with a proper fear and falls down before him. And his response to that fear is that's faith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there, I guess there it is. Jesus makes the connection between faith and fear. Yeah. Oh, man, this is going to change my... This has got big implications for me in the way I read scripture. Yeah. The connection between faith and fear. It's, it's coming clear now what the difference is between how I grew up reading these stories and saying, I'm supposed to be like Jesus and do these powerful things. Yeah. Which is, like I said, true. Yeah. But I thought the fit, that kind of faith I needed for those things was a triumphant, victorious, I have, to, uh, I have to want it to happen. Yeah. And the faith here is a faith of fear yeah. of who Jesus is and a reverence and an awe yeah. and a faith just soaked in that sort of worship. Yeah. And it does show that sometimes Jesus will declare himself even though we haven't come to him properly. 
hmm. like in the storm. They come to him improperly and he still shows his power, but then he corrects them. Hmm. Wow. Now in these ones, he, there's no correction. It's only a, you've come properly and so I'll answer mm-hmm. without correction. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes because he's king, he can choose to heal. He can choose to declare miracles. He can do these things whether someone has come to him properly or not. Yeah. Because it's not like we don't own it. We don't, we don't purchase it by coming, at pro- coming to him properly. It's his choice still um, in, in, in that way. But, when, but he just decides, hey, I'm going to quiet the storm. Yeah, you're doing this all wrong. I'll quiet the storm. And now I'm going to correct you. Hmm. Right? That's, it's not just because he's done a miracle doesn't mean he's got favor. It's not because it's always because he's favorable in that yeah. way. And it's his disciples, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing, unless you got any more there. How far are you going to skip? I'm going to Jarius' daughter, like okay, right yeah, first yeah, words. Yeah. So there's still, while he's still speaking, it says the ruler of uh, the ruler's house, Jarius, has someone come and says, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And I got to stop there for a second because this is why I pulled out what Jarius does and says to Jesus at the beginning. Because the way that the person from his house comes is that Jesus is the teacher. Hmm. Now, that's not a bad thing. It's not like he's belittling Jesus by saying that, but he doesn't recognize what Jarius recognized in Jesus. Oh, yeah. So he's saying, why trouble the teacher any further? In some respects, he has some level to which he goes, Jesus is a great teacher, has lots to offer us in teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming by just calling him a teacher. Um, that's what he's saying. But he's not full of faith that Jesus can overturn the physical circumstance. Whereas Jarius came to him and says, she's about to die. And I think you can change this circumstance. You have the power to change it. Not as teacher, something different. Right. Yeah. And he comes, it, comes to him as like a ruler. Like he bows before him with faith. Mm. This guy comes and says, Jesus, this wonderful teacher can't change this. Your daughter's dead. I just thought that was an interesting play there. Yeah. Um, so Jesus overhears, says, do not fear again, yeah. pulling out what improper fear would be, mm-hmm. but instead only believe, which is faith. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he actually leaves a bunch of people behind and only brings a couple disciples uh, with him and goes to the house. He makes this interesting statement, which I wonder what, if you have anything to say about where people are really upset about this. And he says, why are you freaking out here? She's just asleep. Now, following this, she's dead. (laughs) So at least it sure seems that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So he uh, goes in with just the mother and father takes her by the hand very gently, speaks over her, little girl, I say to you, arise. She got up, began walking, um, and then was, uh, they, the parents, were overcome with amazement. And uh, he tells them, don't tell anyone what happened, just give her something to eat. I can't tell if it's a setup. Like, I can't tell if he's going, guys, mm-hmm. she's asleep, you, you've misunderstood, goes in and says, psst, she's really dead. 
I'm going to bring her back from the dead. Just let them believe she really was sleeping and that I've only healed her. I can't seem to make sense of that totally. It's an amazing miracle, but I don't totally understand the depths of that. What do you, what, what do you think about that? I, I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I can't, get, I can't get why in that situation he, uh, why does he do that? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that one. Now, no. again, it's still, he's still showing his rulership, mm-hmm. his authority. Um, he's, he's responding to the faith of Jarius again. Mm-hmm. He's bringing the kingdom. He's doing all of these same things we've saw him do consistently. I just don't totally understand the diff- why he's declaring that she's asleep going in and healing her and then telling them not to tell anyone. Yeah. I I feel like it must somehow like, I don't think we'll figure this out on this podcast. No, I think though, if I was to want to figure this one out, I would compare what is, why is it different here that he tells them not to tell anyone about this, but he tells the, um, the man with the demons to go away and tell yeah. how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Yeah. Because there it's, again, these stories are very similar yeah. in a lot of ways. And then there's that one difference. Yeah. And so you compare and contrast and go, why is there, why is everything so much the same? And then there's that one difference. Yeah. I think, yeah, to compare and contrast them, you would find something. Yeah. And I think that at least in part, I think it's important for us to realize that he does not always do it exactly the same hmm. and that we should be listening hmm. at very least yeah. to go, oh, Jesus has done an amazing work. God, do you want me to go tell everyone about this? Yeah. Is that like, is that what you'd have for me? And maybe he goes, this is for you. I just want you to bask in it. Enjoy it. Cause that's what he does. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Right. They mm-hmm. sit with their daughter. They feed her. They, they enjoy what God has given them. Um, but in the other, he goes, go and proclaim it. And so I think, you know, sometimes the gift is enjoyment. Sometimes the gift is proclamation, you know, all, or that's the response that he's looking for. Um, but yeah, as to why, I'm not totally sure. Now, I, I wouldn't mind just pulling one thing out before we yeah. end, unless you have more to say about that as well. I better not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like how chapter five, the way that it's broken, broken up. Um, because it's a story. So at the beginning, we see it's a story about the demon possessed man. And in the middle of the story of a demon possessed man, we have a story of, um, how people respond to the kingdom coming right smack dab in the middle. So it's the story of the demon possessed man. He goes in a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of people respond. The herdsmen are telling the story. He gets told they want him to leave because they've responded. And then it goes back to the demon possessed man. Later, we have Jarius, Jarius with him talking about his daughter. And as he's on his way to do this, right in the middle, we have now the woman reaching out. Yeah. We have this healing that happens, a proper response to him, mm-hmm. and then ending the story of Jarius's daughter. And I think part of the reason I really like that is because somehow within the kingdom, things are always happening. It's not like... 
the demon-possessed man thing happens and nothing else important happens but that demon-possessed man thing mm. at that time. Mm-hmm. It's like in the middle of something amazing, there's a ton of other stuff going on mm. at the same time yeah. because the kingdom goes out and affects everyone around it. Yeah, there's dominoes falling everywhere. Dominoes falling everywhere. And it's some of the biggest stories, like the woman being healed is one of the biggest stories. You hear it all over the place. We mm-hmm. tell it to all of our kids. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest stories. And it's actually like a a small point in the middle of a larger story. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not a sub point. No. Right? And so these massive, huge, amazing things happen in the kingdom of God that are smack dab in the middle of much bigger stories, but it doesn't make them lesser hmm. or sub points. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just kind of showing the kingdom that as it spreads, there's stories within stories, layers within layers, and people get affected in the midst of someone else's story. So when God comes into my life and he's doing something great in my life, right smack dab in the middle of that, he's going to start affecting all the people around me too. Yeah. And I may not even know or understand it. Right. But he is. Hmm. And that's how the kingdom works. I just, I thought that was a really cool way of how chapter five broke it down. Yeah, that's great. So at the end, our last part, because this is a really short one and uh, (laughs) we should probably wrap it up. Uh, Chapter six, the first six verses, ultimately we see that Jesus in his hometown uh, in Nazareth uh, is not being received with faith. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's not even necessarily fear in this one. It's a just full-on doubt. Yeah. They're asking, uh, so they ask where, what, how, and who about Jesus. So yeah. they're, they're, it's similar to the first part about the disciples going, who is this then? Yeah. But the, at this point, this isn't like the disciples marveling. No. at who he is and, and awe and wonder and, and fear and faith. They're just doubting. Yeah. Yeah. And they take offense. Yeah. And we see again, a response of people who should, you'd expect, I mean, it's his hometown, it's his relatives and they, they aren't responding the way a demon possessed man did the people of the Decapolis, which is like, way out there, yeah. Israel, yeah. maybe even mixing into like some Gentiles. Right. Um, you know, this unclean woman, this ruler of a synagogue, yeah. which seems like if you say ruler of a synagogue, when you're talking about the gospels, it seems like that person's probably a villain. Totally. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so all these people who shouldn't fear and believe in Jesus are, and then the people who should aren't. Yeah. And so then I'm left going... Which one am I? Yep. Yeah. Because we're ultimately this, the people of Jesus' hometown. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. We're supposed to be the people that know him best, and we're supposed to be the people responding the best. Mm. But instead, they respond with doubt. And his response is, <laughs> this is, this is shocking. His response is, he marvels at their unbelief. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. So I just saw those two words connected from the end of the story about the man with the demon yeah. and 
he goes away and tells everyone, and then everyone marvels at Jesus. And then by the end of Jesus's closest people, not marveling at him, Jesus marvels at their unbelief. Yeah. See, I would wonder, I don't know this, but I would wonder, does it ever talk about Jesus marveling at people's faith? Or is it something where he goes, you should have faith? Like that's the proper response. And when people don't, he goes, oh, wow. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, like, oh, wow, you can see all of that. You can know me and you still don't believe. Yeah. And and either way, this is a, a shocking statement. I also really like that he says he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid <laughs> hands on a few sick people and healed them. Uh-huh. That's not a mighty work, though. <laughs> it's no. A, it's a regular miracle. It's a run-of-the-mill <laughs> healing. Oh, man. So do you have any additions before we close off on this one? No, I don't think so. Okay. So we're going to end this one. Thanks for following along with us. I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, Again, our whole desire here is that we're just showing you how you can come to the scriptures. Jordan and I sat down. We hadn't read this previously. We sat down with the scriptures, opened them up, read this chunk, made a few notes just of what we noticed, and that's what we talk about. Mm -hmm. So I hope that this uh, can do the same for you, that you realize you can get into the scriptures and just have fun with it really marvel at who Jesus is. Let it actually cause faith in who he is, that you'd be one of those that he, um, that he says, Hey, that's true faith. The way that you're coming to me. Uh, I think you can do that right in the scriptures. So that's all we got. Thanks a lot. And, uh, hopefully we will have you to the next one.